Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Tim Miller and Sarah Longwell of The Bulwark. We are just four days away from the South Kakalaki primary. It is exciting. The latest poll has Nikki Haley within 30 points, within striking distance. She's sitting at 65-35. But as our, our colleague Bill Crystal said this, this morning in his, his Morning Shots newsletter, which everybody should sign up for, ding, ding, ding. Nikki, stay with it because he thinks she's throwing punches and doing a good job. And she's already saying she ain't going to kiss no ring that Trump can kiss her grits. She didn't She didn't say that part. But just, I think that's what they say in the South. I don't even know. I don't think so. Uh, anyway, Sarah, tell me what's going on because you just did a South Carolina focus group. Yeah, we did. You can give us some of the good stuff here. Don't make people wait until Saturday. Just a little bit. I'm going to have an awesome guest uh, for the pod on Saturday. We're going to do the South Carolina group. I mean, here, here's what's interesting to me. There was only one person in the group that was going to consider voting for Nikki Haley. And her reason for voting for Nikki Haley was that she wanted her to have a good enough showing that she would be considered for vice president. She still preferred Trump still, you know, but she just she didn't want Nikki to get embarrassed in her home state. It was nice. What nice was the lady. screen on the on the group? These are just two time Trump voters from South Carolina. OK, right. So it's people it's Republicans. But it's so funny. There's a couple things that do stand out. Um, one of them is the way there's this thing that happens in the groups. And I'm, I'm struck by it every single time is somebody kind of starts talking and they say, you know, the Republican Party's really changed. And uh, I don't know if I consider myself a Republican anymore because it's just filled with rhinos that you can't trust. Like, <laughs> there's just this, there's this part where I'm like, oh, it's one of us. It's one of us. And then boom, no, we're the problem. This is a person who's yeah, like, where no, do these I'm, I'm Mitch McConnell's and Mitt Romney's That's and right. John Boehner's come from? That's right. Ugh. Who let uh, them in? You're going to have to go listen to the episode for the, for the, there's some just like Lindsey Graham candy. Uh, mm. that, that, and, and some, and some interesting Tim Scott stuff. But I mean, like, look on Nikki, there really is a catch 22 for these guys. I was doing, um, I was on with Jen Psaki last night and she asked a question that I think is a fair question, which is like, did any of these candidates ever have an actual chance or was Trump yes. just always the guy? And right. So Tim, that was my answer. I, my answer was like, yes, they did. But it was like a long time ago and we've forgotten about when it was. And it was really DeSantis. And like he needed to be a good candidate with a good strategy. Instead, he was a bad candidate with a bad strategy. But like there was a chance. But now, like Nikki Haley, her speech, her speech was good. Like, I don't know if you listened to it, except for the parts where she was kind of like Biden's worse than Trump. She, just, she threw those in there. She except for those, those like four terrible sentences. Yeah, there you were know, four it was terrible like, sentences. It was, like a, it was like 18 wonderful, joyous minutes and then like two absolutely soul crushing minutes, you know? That's right. So, That's right. We'll get to that. Just let me make this one point, which is the catchway to these candidates really do find themselves in those when they go hard at Trump, which they have to do in order to draw a contrast and to criticize him. The base voters, the vast majority of them, the 65% that Trump is polling, they and the voters in the focus groups just sound like this. They said, she sounds like a Democrat and she's she's like a regular politician. She sounds like a Democrat because someone is paying her and I don't trust her. And that is a lot of the stuff you hear about her, which is she reads the second you start criticizing Trump, somehow just being critical of Trump is synonymous with being a Democrat. And that is like that is a hard box to break out of. The problem is, is that nobody ever wanted a pre-Trump politician like Nikki Haley to begin with. She I mean, just represents too small a part of the party. If Jan Psaki had invited me onto her show, which is a thing mm. that has never happened once and had asked me that question, I would have said the time to, to have beaten Trump is, is January of 2021 because that was the time to establish the predicate that Trump had lost. Right. Mm. Once the entire Republican Party stipulated to the fact that actually Trump was the winner, that was game over. Right. Because if if Trump really was a two time winner and really was the greatest president ever and really was everything we wanted and he's running, there was no argument against him. That's the that you know, the, the big lie is the predicate for all of this. They self checkmated. They self checkmated. Yeah. And Nikki right. is yeah. part of that. And, you know, and this is like the frustrating part of all this. So I don't my positive 
you know, people, uh, you know, the, I, you still get, uh, people get sent, people are going to get sensitive in 2024, you know, and it's, it's because the stakes are high. And I understand that every, everybody's kind of looking around the corner, just be like, who's going to shiv me, right? Who is secretly for Trump? And, uh, you know, I, so yesterday I, th- I very clearly wrote after Nikki's speech that like, by the way, if you follow me and you live in South Carolina, you should vote for Nikki this week. You should vote for her, okay? Like, yep. it's better. It's yep. way better. Her speech, like I said, 80% really good and, like, right and and correct criticisms of Donald Trump and yeah, some fair points about, you know, how politics should be in the state of America and then just some horrifically bad faith attacks on Joe Biden <laughs> po- poked Did in she, there just to remind you. Like, her could, doesn't believe. Well, I mean, right. maybe she believes the, them. I don't know. Some it's hard for me to tell sometimes because some of them believe them. Like this one, like I, like Marco has been red pilled. I forget who I was listening to the other day. Somebody was t- was acting like Marco's faking it. I was like, no, Marco is not faking it. Marco has like some of these people have been radicalized. So I, it's hard for me to tell like what if Nikki kind of like believes the bullshit um, that you know she gets fed at these at, at like the conservative confabs about about the impending doom and the, you know the the American carnage that's coming if we have one more year of Joe Biden, despite the fact that, you know, the economy is going good and everything seems pretty stable and normal in the country right now. So that part was bad. But even still, she's way better. And we're about to get into in the second segment, all the threats from Trump, even new ones, new dangers. It's scary as fuck. He's terrible. So like, yeah, let's try to let's hurt him. Let's hurt him more. And uh, it's, it's not a path to the nomination. Having Tim Miller's Twitter followers and and black people. Caputo has a story about how it's not working. Nikki's trying to get black voters to turn out for him, and it's not working. But you know, even if some of them voted for her and and independent, like like that's not a path to winning the Republican primary. But okay, we should go ahead and try that and 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 let her continue. If she's going to continue to go out there and go on Fox, and I think the one thing that was notable yesterday was, you know, she kind of tricked Fox into covering that speech. Which is pretty good, right? Like, which is pretty good. So it's some, there's some number of Fox viewers yesterday that got to listen to her talk about Donald Trump being a liar and old and anti-American and in Russia's pocket and mean to veterans. And that's better than nothing. I'd rather them hear that than hear, you know, whatever's coming out of Gutfeld. Yeah, sure. That said, she has not conducted herself in the ensuing four months in such a way as to maximize her showing in South Carolina. And I mean, I just want to go through because this is what I'm this is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in her performance relative to New Hampshire among all three groups, independents, Dems and Republicans, because I suspect she's going to do worse among all three groups in South Carolina. And here's the breakdown, right? In New Hampshire, independents, she won them 58-39. In New Hampshire, she won Democrats 86-5. to And in, uh, in she only lost Republicans 58-39. Uh, I think there's almost no chance that she matches any of those three numbers. And forget the, the breakdown, right? I mean, there will be many – the Republican share of the pie in South Carolina will be much bigger. But I don't, I'm, not, I'm not even dealing with that. Like, I just think among those groups – she has put herself in kind of a sour spot by doing the both sides and and waiting so long to really go after Trump in ways that if she really had wanted to prosecute the case, again, still vote, still go vote for her. Yeah. If I was in South Carolina, I would vote for her. I would I would be driving around to pick people up and bring them to the polls for her if I lived in South Carolina. But just as an analytical matter, I mean, she could have done better. No. So first of all, I I think it's a little bit of an unfair comparison just because New Hampshire has this enormous culture of independents who don't register for the party. They go undeclared specifically so they can play in both races. So you have just in New Hampshire a ton more left-leaning independents who vote in a Republican primary. There was no uh, Democratic primary to speak of, except Joe Biden still beat What's his name? Uh, but as a writing candidate, but like <laughs> Dean. <laughs> Dean Phillips, your boy Dean Phillips, Tim. Uh, and and just, uh, poor Dean just wants everybody to get along, Sarah. Okay, he you does. Just can, he does. He seems like a nice on. man. He seems like a nice misguided man. Um, <laughs> but anyway, 
the the point is, is that I just South Carolina and New Hampshire are just not states you can compare. But I agree with you generally that she is not going to do as well. But I guess I don't know what you're asking of her. You saying she should just go the full Chris Christie hammer and tong, which is sort of where she is now. And like, that's not a winning path. But also, were she just what heaping praise on Donald Trump and whatever, that's not a winning path either. Like, I think that's the point. That's kind of the point Jen Psaki was trying to make last night, which I disagreed with, but I disagreed with it the same way you guys did. I just didn't go back as far as you guys. Like our our point was like, yes, all, all three of us seem to just have a different place where it's like, yes, this was, you could do this, but it was just a long, long time ago. Like she, there's nothing for her to do now because it is Trump's party. Yeah. Right. It is Trump's party. The negative counter to that, though, is that, yeah, New Hampshire has this culture, but South Carolina, she was the governor. <laughs> I mean, That's she was true. the governor, you know, I mean, for eight years. Well, I guess not. She left early, but but for a term and a half. So, you know, if you can't do it there. And the other thing about the numbers that is something I was kind of going back for project. I was, I was looking at 2016. The total Trump share in 2016 was 45. And then the Cruz share was 20, like by the end of the primary, if you added everything up. And so and like you look at those polls, at the be- you said at the beginning, it's like 65, 35. And it's just like. That's just it, right? Like it was. It, yeah, that's it, it. You know, that's just kind of the it. That's like the state of play, and it's actually gotten kind of worse since 2016 because uh, may, some of those cruise people are probably for Haley, really, and like some new people who are even Trumpier and weirder have come in. But like, it, like the best thing you can pitch here is two thirds, one third. It's been the same for nine years, and really. I, that's like the best, best, best if you're squinting because it's happening in a state where she was the governor and where some significant percentage of independents and Democrats who aren't even Republicans are going to vote for. And, you know, that's where we are. Let me throw this at you guys. So we are now 12 years into a world in which Donald Trump is the only presidential nominee that anybody has known. Well, not really. If he, that's not exactly years? right. That's not exactly but right. And in 2013, yeah, people did not know Donald Trump as a as a as a presidential nominee. You you mean it's been 12 years since we had a different person as a presidential right. nominee. Right. 12 years since we've had a different person as a presidential nominee for the Mitt Republican Romney yeah. was the last time yeah. that we really saw an alternative. Or like yeah. it was the, that was the pre-Trump. And right? he's our best case scenario for having a prominent person com- campaign for Joe Biden and do the WWF thing yeah. where that's Mitt Romney's <laughs> music. And that was the last one. Yeah. Okay. Well, so Chris Christie has said that he's not going to vote for Trump. But he's also been like, I'm not voting for Biden either, which ain't going to cut it, bro. Also, I think I'm not sure that's true. I think there's a massive elite campaign right now to try to push Joe Biden out. (laughs) And so I just think they're all part of that. Can I just say one other thing about Nikki, though, which is I keep getting asked strategic questions. That's why I'm interested in this idea of like, what does Nikki do? Like, oh, she should. There's no she should do this, right? There's no not to win. There's no there's no winning here. There's no anything she can do. There's no like strategy talk. The only question is, is is Nikki Haley, does she believe that Trump is the real threat or does she actually believe this nonsense about Biden being a bigger threat? Because if she believes Biden is a bigger threat, then she will ultimately endorse Trump. And if she ultimately endorses Trump, which let's just remember, you guys say there's like a 100% chance she's going to do. And I think there's like, I mean, and I'm down to like, I think like a 65% chance she does. Okay, excuse I think me. My, my chance was 93%, I think. I think it's a 90. I'm down to 99.8. Yeah, yeah, you did 99.5, right? So <laughs> I I think that there's a real chance. I don't think she's endorsed, she'll endorse Biden. But I think there's a real chance uh, that she doesn't endorse Trump. And I think that's really important because everything she's doing right now changes its valence based on whether she does or does not endorse him. Because the harder she goes now, if she endorses him, it's worse because she's leveled every criticism. She's gone as hard as she can. She said everything that's true. And then she still says, oh, get, builds Sarah, the permission structure to do it. That's just the heat of battle. No, no, no. That's, and then, you know, yeah, that's, that's politi- right. Politics ain't beanbag. We, but if she doesn't endorse this, him, right? if she doesn't endorse him, she's done an enormous amount of good. Like it is, yeah. we do not know yet whether she is hurting him or helping him. It remains to be seen. True, true. You were about to make a better Omni point. You got cut off, JVL. What were you trying to say? No, I was just going to say that if if Trump wins the election, we will be at a place where we will have gone 20 years almost, right? It'll be 18 years, 17 years, which is nearly a full generation in which Donald Trump was the only Republican presidential nominee that anybody had known. That is 
again, Banana Republic, Bolivia type stuff. And it's weird and crazy and do not like. Even if he loses, uh, that's true. Be even if he loses, that's true. No, that's and and in fact, if he loses again, He'll he probably will be the, the odds-on favorite <laughs> for twenty twenty-eight. You He'll people, be the favorite. you people, are like, oh well, this is his last rodeo. Okay, sure. I love doing panels where you get Q and A where people are so sad about twenty twenty-four, and they're like, let's do twenty twenty-eight. What do you think, Tim? And I was like, Kamala against Trump. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Good luck. Uh, Good luck. That's. That's bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, Tim, give us a word from our sponsor. It's sponsored by Roan Apparel. Do you want to look good without having to think about it? It's not a problem that I have, but then you need a wardrobe from Roan. Their men's clothing are versatile, durable, refined, easy to style, and help you exude confidence. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Their commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products Known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about comfortable pants, dress shirts, polos, blazers. They work as individual pieces or together. They have a signature four-way stretch fabric that's breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. Uh, It's time for unparalleled confidence without the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. Treated with gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, you'll be fresh and clean all day long. I got my Roan in the mail. You know what this is? You know what I would call it? They didn't tell me to say this. I'm I'm just letting you know. This is what I feel. This is prime Zoom chic. I'm calling this Zoom chic. You know, if you're mm. if you're out there, if you're a professional and you're doing a lot of Zooms, Roan is right there. It's comfortable, but it looks good. It doesn't look like you just rolled out of bed. Highly recommend it. The Commuter Collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash the next level and use promo code the next level to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash the next level and use code the next level. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Hey, uh, JVL, you just yeah. made a point, actually, that I'm just going to, it's the last thing I'm going to say about the South Carolina sure. focus group. But this idea about Mitt Romney and how long Trump's been around, you know what was weird about the focus group? She was governor, to Tim's point. They don't really remember her as governor. Like, they know she was governor. And they they know, they know sort of think she brought jobs. Like, that was sort of the one, they had this sort of positive, like, oh, I think, you know, she, she brought a lot of jobs. But their feelings about her, their sentiment toward her, has been shaped much more in the last eight years. And I just, this is what's They didn't what's care about politics before it was wrestling. That's right. That's right. They don't care. They don't care about governing right. or her policies. They like Trump and the, and the evil versus good where they're on the heel side. That's what they like. Okay. In the focus group, did you remind these voters of the Confederate flag thing she took Yeah. Down? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what did they think about that? So this is, uh, they were totally kind of neutral on it. Not pro, not really pro, not, but it was kind of like, oh yeah, um, eh, that was fine. Huh. It wasn't like, they didn't, they didn't think that that made them like her more, but it didn't make them like her less. I don't think that's that surprising because again, the psychology of this is like, people want to be mad at the latest thing that they're mad about. And the Confederate flag thing that happened, you know, like if, Tomorrow, Nikki Haley announced that she thinks that the Confederate cemetery in Bamberg should take down their Confederate flag. My my presumption is all these people would hate that because that would be a signal that she's giving into the libs in the present. But, you know, it's like it's not they're not still mad about, you know, they're not still mad about Keurig. They're not still mad about William Wolf is still mad about like no fault divorce. We'll get to that in a minute. Alexander Smirnov. God, I love this guy. The FBI confidential informant who was one of the tent poles of the Republican impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. He's this Russian fellow who claims to have done a lot of business with Burisma and have had evidence that there were $5 million or $3 million, I think it was $5 million bribes paid to both Hunter Biden and to Joe Biden. And what happened is the FBI got this stuff and was was very skeptical. 
and could not confirm any of it. And the Republicans in the House went crazy and threatened to hold Christopher Wray in contempt if he did not let them have the the evidence from Alexander Smirnov, who's Israeli. Oh, we're going to do this actually. all the time, huh? Israeli with a Russian name, and we don't we don't know his what he looks like yet. So this this all seems totally legit. I mean, how did the Republicans, uh, you know, he said, fall for pay him, pay, pay this man in his money. <laughs> Now I don't have. Now that I've gotten to that line, I don't have to do the accent anymore. So okay, uh, that was they, from Rounders. Is it, this is yeah, Rounders. Obviously, yeah. it's a deep okay. poll. Deep so, uh, good one. So Smirnov uh, has has now been arrested. He made it all up. Is the answer? He made all of it up. It was all false testimony. Uh, another thing that you know, there's this great quote from Jim Jordan about how this is you know this is really the heart of our case here. Credible and witness. Now, Incredible witness, Incredible witness, Jim Jordan called him. Smirnoff himself is is being prosecuted for lying. And latest revelations are, oh, where did he get all the uh, all the documents and the information that he was passing along? Oh, from Russian intelligence. I mean, you know, who could have thought? So, Tim, I was really riled up about this on the airplane last night. It's, it's absurd, right? It is like it's it's below veep. Right, like literally. I mean, like it's almost like they would have a guy that would put on a babushka. Is a babushka thing? What's the thing? What's that? What's the big hat? What do you call the big hat? You know, um, that's not a babushka. The, I know the, it's the, not. The, but what do you call yeah, the big hat? I know, hat? like the big beaver, beaver skin. Right? <laughs> you call the big hat. hat. Yeah. Anyway, like, like they're dressed. Sebastian, like, can you effort he's, that? He's dressed up. <laughs> like, he, like he comes up with a name. It's like Yakov Smirnov is coming to you, and <laughs> a Yushanka. I don't know a Yushanka. That could be right. Um, and like, and he is. T- Making up this absurd accusation, you know, that Joe Biden was taking money. And do you remember the the main claim here, which is like, you know, she maybe have raised a few flags, which was that he understands that Joe Biden and Hunter had so many shell companies that it would take 10 years to unravel. I remember hearing that when I first heard that, like that, that just sparked some interest in my brain. Because I was like, Really? I mean, you could kind of convince me on the fact that maybe it was possible. I, I didn't think it was likely, but was there a 5% chance or a 2% chance that Hunter got some money and he was throwing a kickback to dad underneath? I didn't think that that was happening, but I was like, that isn't that isn't an insane story, right? Like, that that's a story that could possibly happen that politics happened to politicians before. This idea that Joe Biden is a master criminal. <laughs> and he has like a web of bank accounts that are so that are, that are so arcane and that, that are that you it's can so picture complex. this in the movie, right? You've got in the movie there's the guy in the chair trying to trace it. He's bouncing the call through so many reroutes. I can't even identify where it's coming from. Right? Like it would take the FBI and the CIA ten years to unravel Joe Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden's scheme. I mean, to, again, that seemed so absurd on its face that I just remember being like, no, this is this is crazy. Apparently, the Republicans are so deep in their own bullshit and so deep in the wish casting and so deep in the Biden crime family nonsense that they heard that and they were like, star witness. This man is our star witness. The man with the vodka last name who has the most complex theory possible about Joe Biden's corruption. And we're going to push it out there. So that's the ridiculous. And who the FBI thinks isn't credible because they can't confirm it. So there's a the, the court filing that just became public that sort of blew the lid off this is is because the prosecutors, the FBI, are trying to keep this guy from fleeing the country, right? And so they have to write down the weight of the evidence against him in order to be like, don't just let this guy go because he's got all these contacts in Russia. He's got all this family in Israel. He's got a ton of liquid cash he's sitting on. But in doing so, they have to, like, they basically run down some of the evidence. And what's the funniest thing about this story? It's an easy read. It's like 28 pages, but it's still an easy read because you're like, oh my gosh, this reads like a it does read like one of those like a Russian spy thing, but like the spy's an idiot. Spies like because us, F- like the Chevy Chase movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, the Chevy right. Chase movie. Like whoever's writing this report is like, let me tell you how easy it was to figure out this guy was lying. Like, <laughs> and, and this is a thing that I've heard the whole time. Like there's stuff, this stuff, is, I, I, you guys know from listening to me that I do not go deep on the Hunter stuff. I have not gone deep, but I still 
have heard through just the course of general osmosis of information that Hunter Biden has never been to Ukraine. Like the FBI can just prove that Hunter Biden has never been to Ukraine and that this dude's story relied on the idea that he had gone to this meeting in Ukraine and stayed at some hotel or whatever. But there's also all these other like meetings that he'd claimed. He was also like an informant for our FBI. So he's like a weird double agenty thing. So he has a handler that he's reporting this stuff to. And like some guy at the FBI picks up a piece of paper and goes, these dates are impossible. Like you are not where you said you were at this. Like we know from your handler that you were not in the place that you claim to have been. And it's like at one point they're like, we know from remarks made and it's like they've got like 23 days in which he made remarks that like, you know, anyway, uh, it's a good read. You should go check it out. Uh, but the point is, is it's farcical, easily disproven. It was the reason that the FBI did not want them to run with this, uh, as JVL pointed out. And then they did because Jim Jordan, all those guys like desperately needed something. They needed the smoke. And here's and you know why they're almost I'm worried they're going to get validated by this, because while you were apparently rip shit about this on the plane, Tim. People are talking about this, but like if this was the Republicans, wall to wall, the only thing anybody's talking about, what is happening right now? They're star witness. They're impeaching a president. They're trying to impeach Joe Biden on a witness that has just been proven to be false by the FBI. And it just feels like that's the only thing worth. We started with Nikki. We did it. We started with Nikki. Why did we start yeah, with Nikki? Yeah, but this sort and of Russian plan. It was, really it, was, it was not just fabricated. It was fabricated by the Russians. This is the thing that this is the thing. This is where I moved to the mad because it's ridiculous, but it makes me mad. It's like Putin has found such useful idiots in these Republicans that he succeeded. He had the Dan Aykroyd of spies coming over here to plant absurd information about Joe Biden. And it worked, kind of. I mean, like, the guy ends up getting arrested, but Elise Stefanik, who went to Harvard, by the way, Elise went to Harvard, like, you would think that she would be a little bit more astute than this, said that this claims made by Smirnoff could be the biggest corruption scandal in 100 years in America. That was Elise Stefanik's statement. And here's the thing, and Edgar points this out in the newsletter this morning, she might be kind of right. Isn't this kind of the biggest scandal? But not how she means. But not how she means. Yeah, not the way that she means it. Isn't the fact that the Russians, in the midst of them invading their neighbor, in the midst of them assassinating their biggest political opponent, in the midst of them co-opting Tucker, like plant a piece of information that is central to the impeachment effort against the sitting American president and an entire political party runs with it and promotes that information. And it's on Fox and all the time. now doesn't care. And millions upon millions of people believe it. And they will never hear otherwise. There will be tens of millions of people that still believe that there's a Biden crime family. And he got $5 million from uh, the Ukrainian company. Because what? Do you think Fox is covering this today? Can we effort that for next week? See how many minutes Fox has spent debunking this story about the Joe Biden oh, how crime How many stories family? is the New York Times going to do on this? Will they do half as many no, as they did York, about his, well, I don't know. His, but New York the Biden Times press conference? They'll, they'll cover it. And sure, no, news, they'll cover it. But I'm saying, you know, it'll be like a news story. But like shouldn't it lead know. the nightly news? Right? I just, it like, should be everything. If you, if you step back from everything, right, and it's like the Russians sent a spy over to America. Well, I guess maybe he's American. The Russians co-opted an American double agent and had him plant false information about Joe Biden. And that information ended up being central to an impeachment inquiry and and leadership in the Republican Congress echoed it and and pushed it for months as true. And yet it was totally fabricated and, and the Russians are involved in fabricating it. And by the way, we're in the middle of a war with the Russians. Like... Like what is what is the equivalent of that story? Remember when Donald Trump then tried to dig up dirt on Joe Biden for, to leverage Ukraine to not give them weapons before the Russians invade? Like the amount of stuff happening here that is not, you know, the first when people Russia, 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 right? The first investigation, the Mueller investigation, that thing was hard to follow. I mean, I tried. Rachel Maddow would do those long, winding, you know, things and Deripaski and all that. I was just like, I don't know, guys. Wasn't that hard? They hacked the email. No, I know. Well, there were specific elements of it that were uh, that you could. But the whole thing that went on for a long time, there had a lot of characters and it was hard. But there are like big things that have happened. Donald Trump stood on the stage with Vladimir Putin and sided against America's intelligence community on these things. Like, cannot we put these all together and see 
that Russia has an enormous amount of influence over Donald Trump, this Republican Party, and therefore our political system, and that, was this in JBL's triad? It was. I read it. I shared it. That, like, in no world, no world from, like, there's nobody's ever written a novel like this, because who would believe it? Who, no, there's nobody who was like the American president was co-opted by the Russians and an entire political party on down. It's not like one nefarious. And everyone knew it. That's this is the part that gets me right. It's I actually think as somebody who loves the intelligence stuff and thinks of himself a little bit as an honorary old crow. Uh, the, the, this might be the most successful operation in the history of intelligence, because not only did they get to an American president and co-opt him and co-opt his entire party. But they did it in such a way that when it came out that they did that, it didn't matter, right? Normally you think of these things like, well, if 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 the, the people of Bolivia find out that the CIA has been behind the junta, then the junta will be illegitimized and, you know, it'll blow up our whole operation. This, it doesn't even matter because the Republican voters and the American people are so effing stupid that they just like, yeah, sure, whatever. They're pretty, they're there pretty stupid. There is an entire right-wing not, not one vote will be moved because of Smirnoff. Not one. Well, I don't think that's true. You don't, not one. Couldn't you just, you know, take it down to like a real <laughs> okay? And also, uh, listen, the entire part of it, I'm sorry, Republicans, Republican Triangle of Doom Time, there's an entire right-wing infotainment media, as well as a whole bunch of elected officials that are, they're like, this isn't just like average Republican voters, like the NRO crowd, the guy, I mean, I got some guy who I think listens to this show who's always emailing me about how wrong JVL is uh, mm. about everything. But his, he loves to tell me about the Hunter Biden stuff and how we're mm. ignoring it. We've been ignoring the Hunter Biden stuff. And that is just an evidence of our bias and how, whatever. Like, I don't think Hunter Biden, by the way, is like a good citizen. He sucks. I mean, Hunter Biden is not he a good terrible. citizin. Not a good thing. Under a couple husband. federal indictments, so far as I know. I know. By right? Biden's is, DOJ. Yeah. Uh, by the corrupt two-tiered legal system. For breaking uh, real laws. And you know what? We need to be the change we want to see in the world, guys. We should have done this segment on top. It is the level of explosiveness. The point where I, I care so much more about this than I do about Nikki Haley. Uh, Let's I just care flip about it. it. Can't we just flip it and post? Can't we flip no, it and post? We, <laughs> we need to own. We need to own what we did here. We need to own what we did here. And like, did you see Trump just as a as a, another tendril of this story? Which is Trump last night? They did a Navalny to me. They did a Navalny to me. This way, this psychological jujitsu that they play, where because they're mired in grievance and because they're always the victims, if Navalny was a victim, then he must be like them because Trump is also the victim. It doesn't even make sense when he compares himself to Navalny. It just means like bad thing happened to him. Bad thing is happening to me. I am a martyr. It's not jujitsu. I want to be very careful here and not do the voice. It is cognitive ability. Because it's not. there are a whole bunch of people who are so stupid. Elise Stefanik for this. No, but Elise Stefanik doesn't believe any of this. Elise is just a political animal looking for advantage. I think she does. I think she does. I think that she has gotten so deep inside this fucking bubble of nonsense that anything that challenges their priors, it just gets rejected out of hand. I do think so. I think that she bought it. Maybe. Maybe. But I, think I, think this is, the, I think there's something really true just on the psychology of this. I've been into a few uh, big Twitter fights lately with some anti-antis. That's good use of your annoyed. time. It's not. I understand that. Somebody should take my phone. But... In doing this, one of the things that when you, I sort of like, I get so mad at the fake equivalency stuff. They're like, well, this is the, the lesser of two evils. Then Joe Biden is still evil. Uh, no, no, one guy is evil. The other guy's not evil. Don't tell me the one guy's evil. But as I listen, and some of these are with people that I don't think are bad people. And uh, so some of them, you know, we take mm. offline and we handle them out of public view. But like the basic arguments that these folks make are so, they're, what they they live in the conservative ink still. And so in conservative ink, the only thing that gets amplified and brought up is bad things libs do, right? And so I this happens all the time where somebody will bring up sort of an obs, not obscure. They are it is a real thing that Joe Biden's administration is doing that as a conservative no, that I would be opposed to. Listen, the, I think that, look, I, the student loan things I think are really bad. I think they've done First Amendment overreach things. Like there's all kinds of things that I don't care for. Kamala Harris, when she was a prosecutor, did, you know, base loving things that I thought are super overreaches in terms of what the power she should have. 
like I, I recognize those things. The idea, though, it's like, OK, you, if you love the First Amendment, you can't vote for Joe Biden because you think he's done something on the First Amendment. Have you met Ron DeSantis, who was definitely the person you preferred <laughs> over Donald Trump? Like, it's just it beggars belief that, but they do. They do live in a world where all they hear are these like negative things. And so they think they can build it up into an equivalent when it's just there is no world in which these things are equivalent. Zero Isn't world. That, uh, the, the, you can't convince somebody of something when their salary depends on them thinking the opposite, right? This is, you say, you put it like they're still in salary and tribe and, so and just. Yeah, and want, desire. Yeah. And I think that there is like an ethical, as there's a psychological need that, that the other side is also bad, right? There's a psychological need there for is. that to be true. Um, and so I think that is, that is a big part of it. And I just, you know, I, I literally, if, if the Soviets back in the 80s had like planted fake information about Ronald Reagan that resulted in Tip O'Neill trying to impeach him, I mean, literally, like National Review people would still be talking about that <laughs> to yeah. this day. Like it would still be a main data point against like ever being able to trust a live again. Like that is like that that happened yesterday, and I'm like alone on a plane, like. Ma like, like angry typing <laughs> to people and tweeting and messaging. And I'm like, why is that? Why am I the only one angry about this? It's infuriating because this is the world we live in now. And because these are the, the these are the people. The people are the problem, as always. All right. We have another sponsor. This show is also sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, when it comes to relationships, you might think everything about them has to be easy in order for it to work out. Hmm. Sometimes it's the relationships that need a lot of effort to turn out to be the best ones. That's why therapy can be a great avenue to explore as you face challenges in your relationship, whether they be romantic in nature or fights over Twitter with your frenemies or just dynamics with friends and colleagues or someone else close to you. Therapy's a great way to work through your issues. I've I've I highly endorse it. I'm I'm in like my third decade of therapy. It's it's really outstanding. It's helped me to hate myself like 5% less. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's helped me to hate myself a lot less. Uh, and to prioritize what, what's actually important in the world, which is why I don't ever have Twitter fights with anybody. No judgments. No judgments. But I don't ever do that. Uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash the next level today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash the next level. Sebastian is really upset at me for not knowing that Kiss My Grits was uh, apparently an iconic phrase by uh, some lady from Alabama who was on TV in the 70s. Yeah, it was a catchphrase. It was a 70s yeah. TV catchphrase. This is okay. okay. pretty well, it's me. I think it's funny that of all the things we asked him to effort, He's done none of them except for the kiss. My Ushanka. Oh, Ushanka. Ushanka. He got Ushanka in like three seconds. What is, flat. U, what is Ushanka? The, hat. The, the Russian hat. Oh, okay. <laughs> Russian hat. That was important. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Wait, speaking of people who get therapy, <laughs> we, uh, we had a, a tweet from one William Wolf, no mm. relation to Winston, who, who said the following, wants to restore the American family. End no-fault divorce, end abortion, reduce access to contraceptives, require men to provide for their children as soon as it's determined the child is theirs, end, quote, sex education in public schools, end surrogacy, and overturn Obergefell. That's interesting. Uh, is I, this a random Twitter dude? Who this is, this is not a random Twitter dude. I think it's important. That's why, I, that's why I sent it in. I met this gentleman at TPUSA. He was a Donald Trump appointee in the Trump administration. He is now a very influential kind of young Christian man, right wing TPUSA MAGA, kind of like a MAGA evangelical influencer who like was speaking at the at the TPUSA event. And I think that he would be likely to be a person in Trump 2.0. And that that slack was just a very a nice distillation of many of those 
same provisions. Um, which you know, you I don't know. Making the porn. guys, making the guys, the list. making the guys pay for their kids. I was for that one. So you know, one for seven. I am um, too. One for seven. But uh, uh, but, but eradicating that, porn is another one that's on on their list. Yeah, but that is in the Project Twenty Twenty Five proposals that the Heritage Foundation is doing. Much of this stuff, this guy, I'm I'm sure, is one of the people that is involved in that Project Twenty Twenty Five. He's not, he is is one of the influential young up and coming Trumpers. Our friend Samuel Alito, also. I don't know if you saw this, uh, said. Our friend, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Samuel Alito, uh, said that uh, he still is concerned about Obergefell as well. And that he's uh, concerned that those with, quote, traditional religious views will be, quote, labeled as bigots and treated as such by the government. So our Supreme Court justice is not particularly concerned about enshrining discrimination against gays into the law, but is very concerned about hypothetical discrimination against religious people who want to have their views expressed. So, look, we've done this a million times on the pod. Like, this is not what animates Donald Trump. But these guys are taking are, are kind of riding in his wake in a very real way on this. And with Johnson as speaker and, and with the guys like Wolf out there, I, I, my alarm level on do I think that Obergefell is going to be overthrown and do I think that we're going to be ending no-fault divorce anytime soon? Like, probably not. Though in Alabama, they're banning IVF right now, uh, according to the Supreme Court. So, so some of this stuff could come to pass. Uh, probably not. Um, but I think that it is like a threat of we don't exactly know which crazy things would be implemented in the random mid to high mid level appointees in a Trump administration. And we certainly know they're going to be crazier than the last batch. So I think that is on the scary side of the ledger. And then on the politics side of the ledger, all of that stuff is uh, is about as popular as hemorrhoid herpes. So the Democrats should probably be talking about it. You know what's not on the list? Restore the child family tax credit, which is the thing that Joe Biden did for America's working and middle class families. It's it is funny to no, it's not funny. It's just it's instructive that the list of things to do is all about taking things away and not about doing things to support. Right. It's not there's no like, hey, we're going to support families. It's mostly like we're going to taking gonna, cash from the deadbeat dads. Taking cash from the deadbeat dads. That was the one sure. one item. Sure. But we're going to sharia this shit and that's going to get us to back to traditional families. And I I mean that's a view. That's a view. You know, you know what's interesting I think is how these people are worshiping a guy who's been married three times who um or King David though. Well, this is so it is it actually it it, this is how they get to the King David stuff, right? This is the King David stuff is actually quite important here because you that is how you say, no, I can justify supporting this guy who is has is does is a prime example of all the things I say we need to get rid of, right? Like he, uh, I mean, I guess who knows on the cover of Playboy magazine, case. yeah, banging cover porn Playboy. stars, sure, right. uh, cheating on his wives, um, whatever. They need a way to say I justify that because. It, he's our he's like a Trojan horse for us to have power in politics. And you know what? They can get away with saying that because it's sort of true. Trump doesn't Trump, those guys will tell Trump he loves them. They love him and he will accept their love and he loves everybody who loves him. That's his only criteria. And so he will give them what he will work with Johnson. He doesn't care. Trump neither cares about sexual morality, but he cares about it so little. Not only that he doesn't abide by it, but that he doesn't care if other people want to try to force it on others. Is that true, though? I mean, he sold. Uh, see, I, in a way, I don't. I, I understand what you're saying, and it's at least half true, maybe more than half true. But look how fast he sold out the the right on abortion nationally, and their response was just to to say, "Yep, okay, sure, whatever he says." Right? I mean, they they. The, the hardcore pro-life Inc. leaders are still, you know, itching to do a national abortion ban. But Trump is no way Trump's going to do that uh, because he understands how unpopular it is. And at the rank and file base level, I don't sense any discontent over his total betrayal of their their abortion fantasies. Do you guys? I, I just think ultimately they will accept whatever he gives them. This is just one story they tell themselves now to get through the problem, but they'll figure out another story when he tells them that this stuff is no fly. 
I think there's something to that. I think it's more, this is like, these are mutually beneficial relationships that give everybody more power. Like it is additive to both sides and they have no trouble existing within the contradiction, the obvious moral conflict and contradiction of all, because it is about power in both cases. And as long as both sides help the other accumulate that, that's all they need. He's also a narcissistic sociopath that doesn't care about anyone, but he sure as shit doesn't care about poor women. And so I don't know if he got in there, he's in there. I think that his concern, I mean, if they're super hot, he might care a little yeah, bit. Okay. That's a good point. Uh, his concern about the abortion ban stuff right now is that it's preventing him from winning. Okay. If he had won, are you telling me that he definitely would not sign a five week national abortion ban? I'm not, I don't, I don't think that I don't necessarily think that. What if he thinks that that will help him keep power and, and stay for a third term or he rationalizes it some other way? It's how he does that. Or I don't, he trades it away to Mike Johnson to keep them from, you know, exposing to make sure they right. provide cover for him. I'm sorry. Anything. I was only, I was only saying that he wouldn't sign something like that because it's so unpopular that it would prevent him from it would cost him power and i think that that is likely to remain true for the foreseeable future um but yeah. but yes point taken I, I he'll sell that, anybody out for anything the other thing i think is just worth noting about the like sharia maga bros is just how extreme all this stuff is like, like again it, it goes back to what we were talking about at the top about how the voters didn't really care about the specific policies like you could imagine a world you know as a gay metropolitan non-fallen catholic like i'm probably not going to be for most of the stuff but like you could imagine a set of proposals of like a normal world version of william wolf Right. You know, where yeah. instead of end, I wrote a whole book about that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Instead of end surrogacy, it's like, you know, should we, we need to make some reforms to crack down on, on people that are abusing it, taking advantage of young women, you know, and like not we don't want people selling wombs. Right. Like whatever. Like you, you could yeah. imagine that. We don't want it to be predatory. Yeah. We don't want it to be predatory. Like you could imagine like various, you know, kind of religious pro family reforms that are like. You know, probably would not be my and policy we're gonna preference. Make, we're going to make adoption more widely available to people or like help. Like if people are looking into surrogacy, like actually help them with adoption, make adoption easier, like whatever. Yeah. There are things that they could do that would be additive to the idea of because this is there is this whole world of like there's a weird supply and demand um, thing where like lots of people want to adopt children and. It is. It be, it's extremely difficult to do. Yeah, and crazy and this, expensive. And on with Jane, with Jane Coaston on on you know the Daily Pod, I was like she brought up some, something I was not familiar with, which is in evangelical world is the concept of snowflake babies, which are like the unused embryos from IVF that like somebody that wants a, a child would then take would then take that right and have it implanted you know implanted like oh I, anyway that all feels kind of weird to me but like if you're pro life. And like you want babies and you want families, like you could imagine a policy around that. Like let's create sure. a so funding anti-vax and anti-mask. <laughs> right. The let's other create a funding We're only pro solution. some lives. We're not pro all the lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's like fund these efforts, right, to make it easier for people who want to be able to go get babies. And so like embryos aren't being that's wasted. Like that's about. not what I was saying. It's, it's all control, about control banning Sharia. That's what it, that's what the proposals are. Who was it? Was it Jonathan Haidt who's wrote about this? Like the authoritarian personality type. And they, I mean, the Republicans are in the process of gathering unto them everybody in American politics who really is into the the gestalt of authoritarianism. And you know, like this, that's why the tankies are basically Trump supporters, right? I mean, they've, you know, like he's just, he's taken all that stuff from the horseshoe and centralized it in one political party. And it's not great. All right, Tim, you had fun, happy stories from USC, and I'm here for it. I just think that JVL is going to love this little anecdote so much. And I want to start it by saying that I, I so I'm doing a study group, a fellowship at USC. And so I have a group of, uh, of like a, just a uh, fellowship. No, or? no, 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 no. Just like a bright eyed okay. and bushy tailed political gotcha. people who are like the type of student who's like, I'm, I'm oh, an academic fellowship. Yeah, I'm so gotcha. into politics that I'm going to do a bonus class. With with Tim Miller and like go hang out with him for a couple of days, you know, because that's how much I like politics. So 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 this is a self-selecting group. You know, we have to we have to uh, appreciate that the types of people that do that. They showed up in the rain yesterday. It was raining in L.A. 
and I appreciate them all. And I, I don't want to betray any confidences. I know I think some of them listen to this. So hello, I love I love everybody. But I just it was worth sharing because we were laughing about it uh, in the group yesterday. That you know, one thing I was interested in. Um, there's certain things I'm teaching. There's certain things I was trying to learn. One thing I'm trying to learn is how bad is the campus culture these days as far as silencing is concerned, you know, as far as people not feeling feeling comfortable to share their views. I was just kind of intrigued by that. This is anecdotal, it's one group. But we have our first session and um, the group's pretty mixed. You know, there are no like MAGA red hatters, but there was a, some Trump, a Trump person that voted for Trump. There's some libs, like not, not, a, not a huge Biden crowd, but like some of them liked Biden. You know, he was getting a lot of B's when I was asking him for the grades. There's one person who like is self-identified as like a Barry Weiss centrist, moderate, contrarian, Ooh, concerned, good. you know, concerned about woke culture, et cetera, et cetera. You will be surprised. Well, I hope I get invited to do one of these fellowships. Yeah, you should come. You should. You'll be surprised to learn that that person was the most vocal person throughout the entire <laughs> throughout the entire group. There are several young centrist white guys who had no problems sharing their feelings. They had a lot to say. Uh, one of them was pro-Israel. He was happily bragging about how he's been posting on Instagram about Israel, and some people don't like it, but he doesn't care because he feels strongly about it. Good on you, and. You know, after that first class, the second class, I just asked him, I was like, well, I, I was just intrigued by all of this. And so I was just wondering what they feel about campus speech and just USC. But this group, no issues. They flagged one issue with a professor who had been asked to move to Zoom because he, like, confronted a group of Palestinian protesters and was like, I want you all, everyone to die. And, like, he was claiming that he was talking about Hamas that he all wants to die, but the way he phrased it was, like, not that great. And so, you know, they moved his class to Zoom. And I was like, okay, well. I mean, that feels more like a judgment issue. I had a chem issue. professor <laughs> tell us that when I was a freshman. <laughs> that feels anyway, like a judgment issue. It had nothing to do issue. with politics. Um, so anyway, I just, I enjoyed the group. They're great. Maybe there is a crisis of silencing happening other places, but I'm proud to report that at USC, that is not a problem. At the fellowship that I'm, that I'm at, everyone feels very free to ha- say their piece. Love you guys. Awesome. I'm looking forward to our next group. We'll be back next week with another Next Level. In the meantime, go over to the YouTube page. Hit the follow button. Subscribe us there. If you're on podcast, we are we are really lagging in reviews. Could use some five stars. Could use some written reviews. Maybe even that mention me. I am here. I am part of the Bulwark. I exist. And also, if you're not already signed up, go over to thebulwark.com and sign up for all the stuff we just push out and give away. I write a newsletter that Sarah will read sometimes. Bill Crystal and Andrew Egger write great things. Just Mark Caputo giving dispatches from Magaville. Joe Perticone did an amazing piece about so the Trump sneakers yesterday. That guy gets that better and better, man. His stuff is getting to be appointment newsletter. So good. It was his best newsletter by far. It was you gotta so good. sign up at thebulwark.com. You gotta sign up. Go sign up at thebulwark.com. You'll get all of this stuff like 95% of it for free. If you want to subscribe and give us money, that's great. But uh, but the truth is you can freeload and get almost all of it. Oh, my God. You're anyway. the worst at business. Do you know what else is going great? What? Tim Miller's flagship podcast. Crushing. So good. Crushing. You know, can, I, can I yell at our audience for one minute? Because I've been, I've been looking at the numbers, and Tim's podcast is doing bonkers numbers. Do you know what the softest episode you've had yet is? The Dean Phillips Show which was the best episode. And it's because people looked at that and went, oh, I don't think we should platform Dean Phillips. You, all of you people, if you skipped the Dean Phillips episode, you you go right now. You go to your room and you, you pull out your iPad and you watch the Dean Phillips episode because it's good for you or, <laughs> or you're grounded. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye.